All right, the Word of God. Let me ask you a question first. Uh, how many here get fired up, excited about taxes? <laughs> taxes. So uh, let's see, federal, state, local, income, corporate, sales, property, toll, payroll, capital gains, inheritance, and estate taxes. Which, which one of those were you like, yeah, all of them? Oh, great. Okay, excellent. Um, you've probably heard this story before, it's, uh, but I'm going to repeat it anyway because I get a kick out of it every time I hear it. One man decided to, um, to write a letter to the IRS, and here's, uh, it was very short, but here's how it went. It said, Dear Sirs, I have been cheating on my income tax for years, and it has reached the point where I can't sleep anymore. His conscience was finally getting to him. So it says, enclosed, please find payment for what I have stolen. If I find that I still cannot sleep, I will send you the balance. (laughs) Might take you a little while for some of you, maybe no coffee this morning, but uh, yeah. Let's read our text. Let's read our text. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. This is the word of God, beloved, beginning in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a tariff to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes." For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. That's our text. Last time we left off right at verse 6, and so we're going to explore both verses 6 and 7 today and uh, finish this section. But before I do that, I, I want to just share a few things with you up, up front. First, what we have already covered concerning Romans 13, just by way of reminder, is that we, we, all people, have a duty or an obligation to submit ourselves to the governing authorities, to be subject to them. We are to recognize and acknowledge that government has a legitimate right to exercise authority over us, since they, the governing authorities, have been instituted or ordained by Almighty God. And why has God established human governments on his earth? To make life more difficult for us? Uh, To make life less efficient? It certainly seems that way sometimes. 
uh, to irritate us? Uh, No, beloved. No. That might be a reality uh, for government, and that's just part of the process, really, but that's That is not why God established government, but rather he established it in part, in great part, to maintain a level of order in society, to restrain evil and promote the general welfare of the people, to provide for the populace a degree of safety and protection that would otherwise not exist if there were no governing authorities. Beloved, government is a good gift from God. It is. Now, like many good gifts from God, sin messes things up. It mars it. It it spoils it. It makes it not as it necessarily should be, right? Think about marriage. If I said to you, Marriage is a good gift from God. Would you all readily agree with that? Government is the same, beloved. But we can look at marriages. They're, many of them, messed up. They're marred. They're spoiled by sin. They're not all that God has designed them to be or desires them to be. Yet, it is a good gift from God. And so is government. Let me talk to you a little bit about anarchism. Anarchism. Anarchism is uh, embraced knowingly or unknowingly to one degree or another, unfortunately, by many in our world. Sometimes even by Christians. The word anarchy is derived from a Greek word that means one without rulers or leaders. Anarchy. One without rulers or leaders. Listen, beloved, it is sin. It is sin. It is rebellion in one's heart that causes people to want to live as a law unto themselves. No one can or should tell me what to do. Beloved, that's rebellion. That's sin. I want to be self-governed, autonomous. Sin, beloved. That's really the root of all of our problems, our rebellion against authority. It's rebellion against God. It's rebellion against God's divine institutions. Rebellion against God's word. Rebellion against God's authorities and leaders. It's rebellion that brings about anarchism. I would say in part, listen carefully, in part, many times, this is why there's resistance to church membership. Not always. I'm not saying that's always the reason. But I think many times that is the reason. I don't want to be accountable to anybody. I don't want people telling me, I don't want church leaders telling me what to do. And yet, Hebrews 13, 17, obey and submit to your leaders. And leaders there is not just general leaders, like leaders on your sports team. It's elders of the church that the text is talking about there. That's what the word of God says. That's what it says. 
People don't want to be accountable. People don't want to submit. It's sin, though, beloved. I looked this up on Wikipedia. Listen, anarchism, listen, holds the state to be undesirable. That's the government. They believe it is unnecessary or harmful. Anarchism entails opposing authority or hierarchical organization in the conduct of human relations, including but not limited to the state system. Listen, you may have adopted anarchism in your thinking and not even been aware of it in your opposition against God's institution, the government. It's not wisdom, beloved. That's not wisdom that I just read to you. That's not the wisdom of God. That's the wisdom of fallen man. And it is a philosophy that the fallen flesh happily embraces. Our world around us embraces it, but we must not embrace it. Not as Christians, not as those informed by the word of God. I read this uh, gentleman named Godwin. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. You won't know who he is because he's, he's long gone and dead and lived in the 18th century. But he's regarded as the founder of the school of thought known as philosophical anarchism. Philosophical anarchism. He argued in some paper he wrote called Political Justice. Listen, this is what he argued. This is rebellion. That's all this is. But people will embrace it like, wow. Wisdom. It's not. It's foolishness. He says that government has an inherently malevolent influence on society. Evil. That's what malevolent means. Evil. Harmful. He goes on to say, he thought that the spread of the use of reason to the masses would eventually cause government to wither away as an unnecessary force. (laughs) Are you kidding? He considered the basic foundations of society, which includes government, as constraining the natural development of individuals to use their powers of reasoning to arrive at a mutually beneficial method of social organization. You are out of your mind. You know what what that is? That is a man who does not recognize the depravity of humanity. That is a man, and this is our culture today, that... Oh, men and humanity is generally good and wonderful. And with a little more education, they can make all of our problems go away. That's not what happens, beloved. With a little more education, they just get better at being evil. They develop new and creative ways to hurt one another and destroy each other. It's a failure to recognize what the Bible says concerning the condition of man. Right, So he goes on, in each case, government and its institutions are shown, as he proves in this this, uh, paper, Political Justice, to constrain the development of our capacity to live wholly in accordance with the full and free exercise of private judgment. In other words, government's the problem. If we could get rid of government, then we could have a utopia, a happy and peaceful existence. Nonsense. Nonsense, beloved. Be careful of some of the political philosophies that you buy into. Filter them through the grid of Scripture, not through 
Just because it sounds good to you, it may sound good, but it may be wrong. Dead wrong. One writer, uh, by the way, I said this last week. If you want to see what it's like with no government, read the end of Judges. It's in the Bible. Read the book. Read the book of Judges. At the very end, it says, listen, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Start in chapter 19 and just read to the end. See what that looks like when there is no governing, ruling authority, and people are just doing what they want, using their reasoning. It's chaos. It's detrimental to society. Hurtful, harmful. Government is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. One writer says this, Christians are not to see themselves as free to obey duly constituted authority or not, just as they please. Submission to duly constituted authority is a divinely instituted good, not an evil to be endured. Quoted that last week to you. And by the way, it's all review. And as we've already discussed, the posture of submission we are to have toward our government will, it will ordinarily or usually demand that we obey what the governing authorities tell us to do. And remember, the only reason I'm using the word ordinarily or usually is because there is a legitimate exception to our obedience. There is. And that is if our secular rulers tell us to do something that God clearly forbids or they attempt to forbid us from doing something that God clearly commands. Then, in that particular situation, we must not obey. We have a duty to not obey. But it's in that situation alone. Not, not we can't just cast off the government, say, I'm not going to listen to anything else you say either. So yeah, that's the exception. That's the exception. But generally speaking, our posture of submission will bring obedience to what they say. It should. It must. One writer says this, human government does not have absolute rights over us, for government, like every human institution, is subordinate to God himself. And we said this before. God, at the top of this hierarchical structure of authority, is God. He's at the very top. So ultimately, he rules and reigns. And if anyone, including government, asks us to do something or permit, forbids us from doing something that God says otherwise, we must obey God. We must obey God. But that's the exception. People want to talk about, they often want to talk about all the exceptions. And what about all this stuff that's not an exception? What about all that? Do you obey that? Huh, you know? Even simple stuff. That's why I use the example of traffic laws and even simple things like that. Allie's very proud of me because I'm trying to apply. I'm trying to apply my, my messages. I, you know, otherwise I'd be an absolute hypocrite. I'm trying to live it out. We have a stop sign right in our um, little area. No one stops. No one because you, there's nobody there. There's no major crossway. Uh, am I getting better? Am I getting better? See, the problem is I developed a habit of not stopping. I slow down, but it's not stopping. It's a violation of the law. It's a violation of the law. And so, uh, but I told you, you develop a habit of breaking the law, even small ones, it, it sets you up to break bigger ones. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're all susceptible to these things, beloved. Now, that was mostly review. That was mostly review, but listen, 
As we will see today, in addition to the submissive posture we are to take when it comes to the government that we might find ourselves living under, we also have a moral obligation, a moral obligation, via the payment of taxes, to financially support those governing authorities. No! Say it isn't so, Jeremy! Why couldn't I miss this particular sermon? Then I could claim ignorance. No, it is so. It is so, my brothers and sisters. This is the teaching of God's word. And beloved, to try to avoid, I mentioned this before too, the plain meaning of the text here, or make attempts to explain it away, is in the end really nothing less than rebellion against God. I mean, you think about this anyway. People kind of arguments they give. I, what it really is is I don't want anybody telling me what to do, including how to spend my money. Uh, Christian, well, whose money is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're just a manager. You're a steward of those finances. They actually don't belong to you. Oh, uh. Whose institution is this? Governments? Oh, God's. Ah, and he's calling you to support it? He's calling you to use the money that he allowed you to earn, some of it, to support that governing authority that he gave to you as a gift? Now, I I can imagine someone protesting at this point, okay? Maybe you're doing it right now in your seat, saying something like this. You wait just a minute. You wait just a minute. I don't approve of this particular government. Uh, And or the way the government is spending my tax money. Or the rate at which I am being taxed. Okay. I've got one guy over here just shaking his head the whole time, so that was fun. (laughs) But you're not alone. You would not be alone in your protest if that was the case. But even so, but even so, does such disapproval somehow justify someone's refusal to pay taxes? That's the question you've got to answer. You might disapprove. Join the crowd. You might disapprove of this or that or particular thing that the government is doing, or the tax rate that you are paying. You might, but does that justify you not paying taxes? Or, and most of you will pay taxes because you don't want to go to jail, okay? But does it justify you illegally avoiding paying all the taxes you owe? That's more where people fall into, that camp right there. Illegally illegally avoiding paying all the taxes you owe. You guys know what I'm talking about? Does it justify it? Some might say it does. The Bible does not. The Bible does not. You're alone. You have no support from God and none from the word of God. If you think you have any justification for cheating on your taxes or, or trying to get out of paying taxes in any way. And I say illegally because you better believe that I'm going to take every legal option I have 
okay? I'm going to take it because it's legal to not pay, but to only pay what I need to and that I'm required to pay. I'm going to take every option. I'm going to use my deductions and all that. The problem is where people cross the line. By the way, underreporting income, that's, that's a big one, underreporting income, not telling the federal government or the state how much you really made, right? A lot of people do this who are paid under the table, under the table, meaning it's a cash transaction. You ever had a contractor say to you, if you pay me cash, I'll take 10% off the price? Do you know why they do that? Is somehow cash more valuable than Visa? Now, some, listen, sometimes they do it. Okay, hold on. I don't, want, I don't want emails and stuff. Sometimes contractors will give a discount for cash because if you give them a Visa, they got to pay like 3% to the Visa company to receive that. I get that. But sometimes they'll give you a 10% discount. Wow, that's more than the Visa transaction. Why is that? It could be. It could be they don't report it. They don't report that money. Is that okay? Uh, do you know lying about deductions on your tax returns? That's another big one. That's another way people illegally avoid paying all the taxes they owe. I found one source that said that the most common way to cheat in that area of deductions is by overstating charitable contributions, especially church donations. Huh? Unbelievable, but believable, right? Messed up people. We are messed up people. Yeah, I gave, uh, gave 20000 to the church. That's amazing. You only made thirty. That's amazing. How did you do that? Not that people would do that because they'd be like, that's too high. We, they might audit us. But you know what I'm talking about? Right? They're taking the chance. They're rolling the dice. Uh, they don't have enough time to audit everyone. But, uh, you know. I mean, in my heart, I wanted to give that much. Doesn't that count? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I wonder, here's what I wonder. I wonder if the church actually received all the donations that are claimed where the church would be today. It'd probably be way better off. You'll get that later, but. um. Beloved, it's certainly worth noting the historical context in which Paul wrote Romans 13. The historical context, okay? One commentator uh, writes this about that. He says this under a chapter in his book called Tax Obligation. The name of the book is called Why Government Can't Save You. He wrote this, While many people, believers and unbelievers, view the governments of contemporary democracies as corrupt and unjust, by comparison, the Roman government of the first century was pagan, despotic, behaved, that means they behaved in a tyrannical or oppressive way, and often ruthless. In its final years, the Roman Empire deteriorated into a huge welfare state in which those people who still worked had to pay increasingly greater taxes to support the growing number who no longer worked. Sound familiar? Roman officials also used a portion of their tax revenue to support pagan religious activity. Throughout the empire, they were worshiping false gods, and the people, part of the people's money was going to that. And it was a practice that greatly concerned Christian and Jewish citizens of Rome. Concerned them, yes, of course they're concerned. It's evil, it's vile. And yet, under this ancient Roman government, Paul assumed and commanded in Romans 13 the paying of taxes. 
One writer goes on to say, if, if Paul taught believers to pay taxes, even during an era dominated by a pagan oppressive government, then there is certainly no exemption from taxes for those of us who live in democracies. To argue that paying taxes is somehow unspiritual or wrong is itself spurious and contradictory to the word of God. All things belong to him, but a certain amount of wealth which he entrusts to each person must go to support the institutions of human government. This is in accord with the Lord's plan and decree and part of his perfect will for us. That's the word of God. By the way, paying taxes is not all that Paul commands here in Romans 13. He also commands that we respect and honor or pay respect and honor to the governing authorities that God has placed over us. Let's take a closer look now at the beginning of the text. Look at the text beginning with verse 6. We'll kind of work through it. It's just two verses, very, very quick here. But that all was leading up to it. Look back at verse 6. Paul says, For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. The beginning of verse 6 says, For because of this you pay taxes. For because of what? For because of what? The for because of this could be Paul referring back to the important points that he had just made in verses 1 through 4, this section that we've already covered. That is what Paul said concerning God and the governing authorities and our required submission to them. Could be that. That could be for this reason, for because of this. It's probably, though, better to see it as referring back to the phrase that Paul made about conscience at the end of verse 5 or the verse immediately preceding verse 6. Either way you look at it, though, it amounts to the same thing. It amounts to the same thing. So let me explain. As we talked about last time, when we looked at verse 5, Paul's reference to conscience there in verse 5 refers to the Christian's insight or knowledge of the fact that God is the one who has appointed the governing authorities, that there is no authority except from God. And as such, the secular rulers, regardless of their personal beliefs or relationship to God, are in reality God's servants, which gives us every good reason not only to submit ourselves to them, but guess what? Also support them. Also support them. One writer says it this way, Paul, building on his allusion to conscience in verse 5, the apostle explains the payment of taxes on this very basis. The clearer the perception of the fact that the governing authority is God's servant, the greater appears the reasonableness of providing support by these payments. By these payments. By the way, Paul reiterates this truth about the governing authorities in the next uh, statement here in verse 6. Look back at the text. 
He says, for because of this, because of conscience, you also pay taxes because your mind has been informed by the word of God for the authorities are ministers of God. They're ministers of God. Attending to this very thing. The Greek word translated ministers here in the ESV, in the ESV was used widely in Paul's day to refer to public officials, public officials of various kinds, or how we might now commonly refer to them as public servants, public servants or civil servants. Okay, that's what he's talking about. But don't miss the fact that Paul says these authorities are not just ministers or public servants. He doesn't, he doesn't just say that, but rather he goes on to say they are ministers or public servants of what? What's it say? Of God. Of God. Which reinforces what Paul already said in verse 4, where twice he refers to them that way as servants of God. As servants of God. Here he's just saying they are public servants of God. They're serving the public on behalf of God. One writer says this, the addition of God, of God, that Paul adds there, makes clear the ultimately sacred, sacred nature of the secular ruler's service. Therefore, the payment of taxes becomes a responsibility that the Christian owes to God himself. Huh. Think about that, beloved. Think about that. We live in a democracy. We don't live under a king as, or a, a Caesar as they did in Rome. We have a lot of freedoms. We have the ability to address our government and to change our government and so we should exercise that right but whatever the law of the land is whatever the taxes are whether you like them or not you are obligated to pay them and realize that obligation is really an obligation to god himself for they are his very ministers serving us on his behalf. That, again, doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean that they're sinless. It doesn't mean that sometimes they are horrific in their execution of their responsibilities. They'll answer to God for that. They'll answer to us for that. We are the government in the way that we approach that legally, not as vigilante justice or any ridiculous thing like that, okay? We have a system, a legal system. People answer to it. But the matter of taxes cannot be avoided. We have a responsibility to support these governing authorities. In the last part of verse 6, Paul says the authorities are, they're attending to this very thing, attending to this very thing. One translation says it this way, devoting themselves to this very thing. I don't think that this thing that Paul is referring to here is specifically or only the collecting of taxes. Some have understood it that way. I don't think so. I think it is the service of God in public life. That's the context. That's the very thing these people, these civil servants, are giving themselves to. The service of God in public life. 
Because the governing authorities are ministers of God attending to or devoting themselves to the service of God in public life, even though they may or may not recognize that, okay? It doesn't matter if they recognize that or not. That is the reality. The Christian should recognize that. The informed Christian mind should recognize that and therefore willingly pay taxes to support them so that they might fully give themselves to their duties. You guys are really quiet right now. I talk about the blood of Jesus cleansing our sins. There's amens and hallelujahs. But that comes from the word of God here. We talk about our, uh, our obligation to support the governing authorities. Silence. Don't pick or choose, beloved. Don't pick or choose what you're going to obey. Another bad habit. One writer says this, anybody who dodges taxes or this is a pastor, by the way. Anybody who dodges taxes or underreports what he or she owes is sinning against God as well as committing a crime against their government. Do you remember when they were trying to catch Jesus and get him to say something that would cause the people to turn against him and they showed him the coin and they were asking him about taxes, you know? Should we pay this tax, Jesus? He knew, they knew the people absolutely hated the tax, you know, it was because it was to the Roman government. They, were, they conquered them, and they were oppressive to some degree. But you know what? They were a government that brought order to society. You know, maybe you haven't ever heard that phrase, Pax Romano, Roman peace. Through the use of force and power and law, they brought a peace to the land, a peace that lasted for a couple hundred years, a peace that Jesus was born into, actually, beloved, a peace that allowed the gospel to spread rapidly when it burst forth and the church was born. Without that peace, I mean, if you're trying to, I'm going to tell someone about, boom, you know, you're trying to tell someone about Jesus, get whacked in the head because, you know, you've got chaos and lawlessness. It's much harder to spread the gospel. Thank God for peace that he brought through a pagan Roman government. You, you should, we need to thank God for the peace. I know our government has problems. I know it always will. But thank God for the peace that you and I have in this land. Thank God for it. And thank God for the government that has brought that peace. Look at verse 7. Writer Paul, the Apostle Paul. Don't forget his title, beloved. Apostle Paul. It's authority. Paid all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. <gasps> respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. All right, listen. 
couple things. First, based on the context, the all, do you see the all in verse 7? Look back at your Bibles. Pay to all what is owed to them. That all in this verse is likely limited to the governing authorities or the secular rulers. That's what, that is what Paul is thinking about. People, people will often take this, pay to all what is owed to them, and then, you know, okay, that's a principle, so you should pay back your debts, you should pay your obligation. Of course, of course. But here in Romans 13, 7, what is he talking about? He's talking about the governing authorities, okay? Paid all of them what is owed to them. Second, notice that Paul does not say give or pay what you feel like or pay if you feel like it, but rather pay what is owed Owed, literally, beloved, it says, repay everyone, and here that would be the governing authorities, his dues, his dues. The implication is that the service the governing authorities render to us as the ministers of God places us under obligation to those various authorities. And then Paul goes on to list Four kinds of obligations that we all have to those very governing authorities. And here they are. The first two obligations are, what are they? What are they? Taxes and revenue. Taxes and revenue. Revenue is translated differently in different translations. Sometimes you'll see custom. Sometimes you'll see tolls. Revenue. Taxes and revenue, whatever, both words, both words that Paul used refer to different kinds of taxes that were paid in Paul's day. The first, that word taxes there, it referred to tribute, tribute paid to a foreign ruler or a combination of uh, income and property tax paid by individuals to their foreign rulers, tribute. Uh, By the way, This is hard for us to grasp because we are, and this is why it's kind of crazy, we are a government of the people, for the people, by the people, right? We do not have a a foreign ruler, king uh, ruling over us. But imagine, but imagine uh, if the leader of Iran were to invade the U.S. and succeed, I'm just, you know, play it, go with me, and then we... That would be our new government. And then he demanded from us that we pay taxes to him. That's a tribute. Pay taxes on our money that we make, pay taxes on our property, and so on and so forth. How excited would you be about doing that? That's how the Jews felt. That's how the Jews felt. This was their land, and Rome conquered them and demanded they pay a tribute to him. And yet that's the very tax that Paul says, yeah, you pay that. You pay that. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. I never finished that story about the Jesus thing, did I? I just realized that. I, told, I went somewhere with you about Jesus, and he was confronted with the folks. And what are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to say? He looks at the coin. Whose image is on the coin? Who is it? Caesar. Okay. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And render to God what is God's. Pay back. That's the word render. Pay it back. Pay them what they're due can't touch me that's what that's jesus man he's awesome right and they're just like they didn't know what to remember the text says they don't even know what to say now they don't know what to do they're trying to catch him in a trap really pay your taxes jesus knows who those governing authorities came where they came from 
He knows who installed them. Pay your taxes. All right. So that's taxes. Listen, here we go. We're almost done. The next two obligations, by the way, though, when we look at that text. So the first is taxes. We get that. That's what Paul's been talking about. But then he adds this. They have nothing to do with taxes, but he's still talking about the governing authorities. That's the context. Here he addresses our attitude. Our attitude. It's not just our money. Now our attitude. The attitude that we have toward the governing authorities. Guess what? We are to give or pay respect and honor to them. It is owed to them. Mm-hmm. It's owed to them, beloved. One writer says this, we are to respect and honor governing authorities not because they are powerful and influential men. That's usually, that's kind of how we think of respect, right? Oh, you're powerful. I should respect. No, not because of that, but because they have been appointed by God. Huh? That's, uh, yeah. That's the truth. Here's, a, here's someone, check it out. I like this, uh, I reference this man often. He's uh, gone to be with the Lord now. Christian pastor, author, wrote books. Uh, passed away in 1968. Here's what he says, based on this text as he was going through it in his book. He wrote this. It is never right. It's never right, beloved. For a Christian to speak in a disrespectful way about any officer of the state. Hey, Listen. Listen, wait, don't read it. Don't read it. Come on, stay with me. (laughs) Disagree, yes. And in our particular climate, we have the ability to disagree and to even bring change, okay? Disagree, yes. Disrespect, no. Disagree, yes. Disrespect, no. Author goes on to say, no matter what the character of a man may be, We are to respect his office because he holds that office by divine commission. And we are to uphold the regular divinely constituted authorities and not to help the world in its chaos of lawlessness. We are to uphold the authorities. There was never such a need for this is now. He died in 1968. Huh? See, things are just, there's nothing new under the sun, beloved. The utter disrespect that men have today for the voice of the law and the government is appalling. It is the Christian's business to be salt of the earth in everything. And by that, he means a, pers- a, a preservative. We are preserving the society as we obey the commands of Scripture, as we live according to the Word of God. We bring that preserving kind of factor so we keep it from just rotting away and, and being corrupted by sin and evil. If we are living in submission to the word of God. Beloved, there is a, a, a general, so it was true then, and it's certainly true now, there is a lack of civility in our world. And, and I, don't, you know, I don't live everywhere, but I live here, and it's, I can say for sure here, for sure here, there's a lack of civility. Do you know what I'm talking about? A lack of courtesy, a lack of politeness, a general lack of respect, especially for authority especially for authority. The way people talk about one another and especially those who rule over them is ungodly, is unbiblical. 
is wrong. It's wrong. We get caught up in a lot of this stuff. Disagree, yes. Disrespect, no. We get caught up in it because we hang around other folks and they begin to talk about this or that or this governing authority or this president. Disagree, yes. I disagree. I'll tell you right now, I disagree with many of my president's, my president's policies. But where I have sinned is when I went too far and I disrespected that man. I have done that. And it was sin every time. He doesn't say pay honor and respect to the ones that you voted for or the ones you like. There was no such thing as voting even. They didn't have a choice. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. It's never right for a Christian to speak disrespectfully to or about those in authority over us, beloved. That's it. That's the point. It's never right. It's never right. You know, think about this. Here we are. We're Christians, right? Well, most of us, because I don't, you know, I doubt all of you are. Not because I'm thinking about you individually. I'm just saying, generally speaking, in a group this size, there's going to be people here who do not really have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But for those who do, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. That Holy Spirit, he's there, he's inside of you. You're supposed to be yielding yourself to that very Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, living under his rule, his guidance, his submission in your life, controlled by him. And if you are, here's the fruit that your life will manifest, right? We know it. It's in Galatians 5. 22, I got lost for a second. It says the fruit of the Spirit, you know it, huh? What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That should impact your actions, your thoughts, your words. And if your speech about the governing authorities does not fall into one of those categories, but outside of them or it is opposed to them, you're not walking in the spirit, beloved. You're walking in the flesh. You're not being salt and light. You're just contributing to the corruption of our society. And then finally, uh, well, I'll just say this. One commentator, he just, um, it's not up there. Don't pull this one up. He just said, Christians should accept their tax liability with good grace, paying their dues in full, both national and local, direct and indirect, and also, and also, giving proper esteem to the officials who collect and apply them. Huh? I mean, we make, right, the biggest uh, running joke is, you know, tax collectors. You can, you can always find some joke about tax collectors and how much we hate them and so on and so forth. Is that right for the Christian to speak that way? It's not. Look, and I've spoken that way. But it's wrong. It is wrong. So I need to repent. Have repented. They are God's ministers. One writer uh, concludes the whole section here, one through seven, and then we'll end and pray. He says this, Paul, 
this one needs to pop up. Paul gives in these verses, 1 through 7, that we've spent now four weeks going through, a very positive, a very positive concept of the state, the government. In consequence, Christians who recognize the state's authority and ministry come from God will do more than tolerate it as if it were a necessary evil. Conscientious Christian citizens will submit to its authority, honor its representatives, pay its taxes, and pray for its welfare. And here, write this down and check it out when you get home. Look up Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. The people of Israel were under a government. God put them there. A pagan government. Babylon. And see, see. I'll have you look it up. See what God tells them to do concerning that very government. See what he says. Let's pray, beloved. Father God in heaven, we, uh, we have the ability, Father, we know we have the ability to submit ourselves to your word if we have been born again, if we are new creatures. So, Father, I, I pray that that's the work you would do in us, that we would change, we would be changed, we would be transformed as our minds are renewed through the hearing and the preaching and the exhortation of your word. Father, help us. We, we need to be changed. All too often, we get caught up in the world around us, and sometimes much of who we are and the way we act is, is absolutely unbiblical. It's not scriptural. It is not In any way does it honor you or glorify you. We are to be different, Father. If we act in this regard when it concerns our government, the very way our lost friends and family and co-workers and those around us act, if we act the same way, then what does that say? We are your called out ones, called to be holy separated unto you to live for you, under you, and according to your word. Father God, help us to do that, we ask now. And Father, on behalf of all that are here, I ask forgiveness where we have sinned against you when it concerns our government. Father, help us to to walk in righteousness and in your wisdom regarding these things. For our good, Father, also, and more importantly, for your glory, for your honor. It's in our Savior's name we pray. Amen.